Hey there, nature lovers. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We are super thankful to have you with us for another week. And that's not just because Thanksgiving is right around the bend, but as well as the last episode of the year, that's right. Just to say thanks for joining us as you always tend to do, you good listeners. We'd also like to let you know that currently there is a discount code in our merch store titled Thank You 22. That's not anyone whose number is 22. No, it is 2022, but we are thankful for you. So thank you 22 for 15% off all things on the merch store. This is the last episode of the year. We're super thankful you've been with us this year. It being before Thanksgiving, I'm allowed to say that because I'm super thankful before Thanksgiving. So go ahead and use that discount code as well as take heed. This is, in fact, the last episode of the year. Thanks again for joining us. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, where we talk everything from conservation to education to, as you might have guessed if you've listened before, fascination. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by my two very good friends and co-hosts. Doesn't this come out after Thanksgiving? I thought it came out the... <laughs> is it not the 21st? No, because Nebuzo comes out on the 14th. Oh, shit. Well, I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> It's fine. We'll still do the discount code. We'll still do it. We'll still do Bring, it. No, we're leaving it all in. Thank you, 22. We're leaving it all in. Thank you all, all for having a happy Thanksgiving, hopefully. I'm CJ. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm Brittany. <laughs> and apparently, I'm completely confused as to what day it is. Since since Thanksgiving has already happened, CJ and Brittany, how are your Thanksgivings? I'm going to be completely honest and upfront with you listeners. If it wasn't clear already, we are recording this before Thanksgiving. No, don't ruin the, the mirage of authenticity. <laughs> yeah, then taking down the curtain, behind the oh, curtain. No. I was recording this before Thanksgiving. So my, we, my, my plan the fourth wall. Did we just the, break the fourth wall? Well, there's no walls on a podcast, so I would say no. Uh, but... <laughs> But definitely, we're we're breaking something for sure. Um, because we're before Thanksgiving, I don't exactly know my Thanksgiving plans, but I'm assuming that it'll be a good day because every day is a good day when you really think about it. Bold optimism from CJ. Of I'm, all I'm folks. trying my best. What I'm feel? trying my. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best to feel good, guys. It's depression really, two time, baby. I really appreciate that. I'm very thankful for that. Um, well, since CJ ruined what I was going to say, um, (laughs) well, okay, apparently I'm the only one with Thanksgiving plans, I guess. Well, no, I, I actually am very excited and for Thanksgiving this year with starting my new job, I am not eligible to work on, um, holidays. So this will be the first time that I am not obligated to have to work Thanksgiving or Black Friday or Christmas. Um, So I'm really looking forward to uh, spending time with my family. And um, my mom and I love doing, we're like the crazy Black Friday shopping people. And we love it. And so we've got plans to go do all of that stuff. So I'm assuming that all of that went smashingly. Smashing. And 
<laughs> I washing away. I didn't like it. That okay, Ni- like okay it. Nigel Thornberry. Go that's ahead. Mushing. That didn't even Mushingly. That didn't even sound like an impression of Nigel Thornberry. That sounded like an impression of a bad a... impression of yeah, Nigel that's what Thornberry. It was. That's what it was. It was an impression of Matt's terrible impression. That's what it was. I didn't claim it was good. I just did it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And you'll rue the day that you did, evidently. Apparently Matt... so. I will never do an impression ever again. <laughs> good. You should be yourself. Smashing. Matt. How was slash is your Thanksgiving? I'm pretty excited. It's been a while since I've been able to go back to Illinois for like an extended stay. I think the last time I spent like a genuine amount of time there that wasn't just a weekend or something like that was last winter break. Oh, Lord. Because, yeah, it's been a long time. It's probably been almost a year since I've spent really good like an extended stay. So I'm really, really excited about it. I will confront the elephant in the room. I did, at the time of release, experience a birthday. Oh my gosh, yeah, your birthday was after the last episode. I didn't even say happy birthday to you. Uh-huh. That's I... okay. Here's a secret, listeners. Here's a secret. I haven't even edited that episode yet. So no, I'm gonna go in. No. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go into that episode and I'm gonna put no. a happy birthday, Matt. You'll it never know. Looks like such a <laughs> jackhole for saying it twice. <laughs> CJ here. I completely forgot and did not do that. Please go and wish Matt a retroactive happy birthday on this week's post. No, but um, I'm pretty excited about it. I have been saying for two years on accident that I'm turning 24. I remember it was like in a bar two years ago. I hadn't even had a drink yet. And like someone asked like, how old are you, Matt? And I said 24. And all my friends looked at me. They're like, what? But I'm excited to finally actually be turning 24. But Thanksgiving, I'm excited about. I'll actually get to be in the same state as CJ and Brittany, which is really exciting. Until recently, I didn't expect to be in the same state as Brittany because she was in misery. misery. So I'm very excited that this gets to happen. It's been a while. It's been a long time. I have have two things to say. I have two things to say. The first thing I have to say. I'm not muted. The first thing I have to say is thank you for giving me the opportunity to use the I am in misery audio just one last time. I appreciate it. <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. Listeners, <laughs> I did this one for you. <laughs> Amazing. Second, did you see the eyes bulge out of Brittany's head when you said finally turned 24? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I swear I saw her glasses drop because the eyes pushed them out. I just forget how young you are. And Look like, at me. I, I, I get it. I get it. You posted, I a, you posted a picture the other day. I was like, oh, that is a 48-year-old man. Yes. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's Matt. <laughs> what like, I'm literally, we're celebrating Adam's 30th birthday. And, like, most of my friends are, like, a lot of my friends are older than i am they're in their 30s like all so then i forget that like you're a baby (laughs) i'm sorry i wonder what the experience of having friends who are all older than you is like the passive aggressive tone that was like like, i'm sorry matt is like matt is like my first like oh yeah i'm I'm significantly older than you friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
All right, so me, I relish it. I relish I'll, it. Like one of my like one of my closest friends is thirty four. She's a whole decade. I'm not thirty four. Oh, is that one of my closest? No, friends? I know. I was making a joke. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know. I was making. I was. It was a joke. Let me also just say, if my passive aggression was a mimosa, it was one of those mimosas where like the aggression is the champagne. And the passive was just like the little spritz of orange juice at the top. Like that was just straight up aggressive. And I fully acknowledge that. Incredible. I'm not apologizing for it. That's just. I didn't it expect you to. <laughs> no. that's yeah, a let's, real, let's, That's a really good joke. Let's let's go into um, our creature first feature. topic. All right, everyone. Creature feature. Oh, that's me. Hello. I forget it. Yeah, so our guys, I'm already out of it. It's, it took too long. Uh, so our creature feature for today is a really interesting uh, animal. I will spoil that it is an animal, like most of our creature features. But it's a pretty cool bird. Spoiler alert, it's a bird. And it's a bird that is uh, really unique in kind of its both its appearance, its behavior, and kind of like its range. Do either of you, I know Matt probably has some, Matt has some hot takes on this bird. Do either of you have any non-spoilery hints or teasers before we give away the creature? I think it's funny that you framed it as a hot take because just to stick with the pun, um, I wanted to go against your framing of it being really unique because I actually think it's pretty plains. Um, That's a great joke. And so it's really that funny could... that you framed it as me having a hot take because I didn't expect someone to be privy to that. That's a that's a really good joke, and that's... you'll understand the joke. Brene, you got any got any non spoilery hints or teasers? Absolutely. Okay, great. Hit me with what it. What are they? It's a bird. I I, I said it was a bird. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I was literally gonna chime in and say no, she doesn't. And then she gave me, I was like absolutely. I was like, all right, I want to hear this actually. <laughs> it is a bird, and it is it is pretty plains as teased by Matt. We're talking about the prairie falcon today. So the prairie falcon is um, one of the uh, one of the more interesting uh, kind of falcons or birds of prey that is native to usually native to the kind of western side of North America, basically from central Mexico all the way up, having ranges up into you know southern Canada. It's kind of got this range all over the west side of North America, and kind of over these big open spaces. What they'll do is they'll kind of glide above shrubby deserts, grasslands, plains, looking for things like ground squirrels, small mammals, other birds um, in flight. Uh, when kind of looking to identify them, a lot of people will look towards this like dark triangle in their armpit. And that kind of like helps, that, uh, helps birders or people who kind of look to ID birds distinguish it from other species of falcons like peregrine falcons or even things like Cooper's hawk, um, harriers even. They're a really interesting species because of the way that they really seem to play with each other. Prairie falcons are among the species of birds that do seem to play. They've been seen dropping dried cow manure in midair and then diving to catch it, almost like young like baseball players flipping a baseball to themselves. And it's it's noted that this thing that might be a way to like sharpen their coordination skills. They're also very popular falconry birds and 19 states 
all over the United States actually allow these guys to be used in falconry, which is fascinating. This species, though, is not uh, just randomly our creature feature. The prairie falcon is our creature feature because of its prominence in the film The Magic Stump. Now, The Magic Stump is a short film, uh, like documentary, made by Bob Dolgan, who is going to be on the podcast in just a little bit as a guest. We're going to cut to an interview with him. But basically, what's so interesting about The Magic Stump is that in northwest Illinois, a portion of land which is not normally in the prairie falcon's range, there is this old tree trunk that is like stump. That The tree's been cut down, the stump has been there. And every single year, consecutively, prairie falcons have visited this stump in this big field. And it's so strange because you might think, oh, this is like a cornfield or a soy field. And why is this kind of rarer bird for where we live showing up here? And it's still not 100% quite clear as to why, but it is consistent. In fact, at the time of recording, the prairie falcons have already been seen at the Magic Stump for 2022. So it's really, really exciting that these birds, it might not be the same individuals, it might be the same individuals, there's no real way to know. I don't believe they've been banded yet, um, or if there's a plan to, I'm not quite sure. But it's really cool that these species is still coming back every single year. And it's not like they're a unique bird of prey. You know, there, there's tons of birds of prey that hang out near the magic stump. You know, there's things like barred owls, great horned owls, snowy owls, like I mentioned, harriers, uh, red-tailed hawks, rough-legged hawks, cooper's hawks, uh, sharp-shinned hawks, all kinds of things, even peregrine falcons. So it's not like there's no competition for the prairie falcon, but they still do find their way to the prairie state of Illinois, which is fascinating. Any thoughts on our creature feature, the prairie falcon? Honestly, I just think, first of all, it makes you very, very jazzed for what we have going on later today in this episode, because um, the job that Bob has done in regards to how genuinely almost iconic this stump is in, in capturing that is really amazing. In the same way that um, you might have heard us mention Bob before in his efforts for uh, the two documentaries about Monty and Rose, the piping plovers that had been so historically in the past three or four years or so popping up at Montrose Point Bird Sanctuary. Um, but as far as the prairie falcon goes, I mean, it is kind of like you said, it is such an interesting species. And it is so interesting how we have this kind of concept of range and range maps and all that too. And when you you try and describe nature, oftentimes it doesn't work. And I think that's what I love about the prairie falcon so much. You know, as humans, like we like to create these bins, these things, right? We have different concepts of what a species is. And if you really take the time to look into science and uh, get a nitty gritty view of it, you kind of start to see that like the lines in nature are almost solely human driven, right? Like I said, there's like about 22 different species concepts that vary depending on, you know, what you're looking at. Some of them are molecular. Some of them are, can this thing reproduce with this thing? Some of them are, where does it live? And in the same way, you know, we have this description of where the prairie falcon lives. But if it comes to Illinois every single year, repeatedly, you know, 
it's breaking this mold of what we expect, but it's doing so so consistently. The question then becomes, you know, at what point is does it just live in Illinois? And like it presents this really interesting scientific quandary and one that I think is really, really fun to look at. You know, we it's fun to look at nature, not in these specific bins that we so often have been privy to making. And I think the Prairie Falcon is a great example of it. And I think there's there's tons of really awesome examples when we think about animals moving into spaces they may have never really been in before. Um, Illinois has been in the news quite a bit in terms of wildlife uh, in the past year with you know things coming up in our state that haven't been here in a long time or aren't normally here. Things like mountain lions or armadillos have recently been seen in the state. I knew the Unlike, mountain lion would mine, but armadillo. Yeah. Pretty yeah, so they're not they're not uh, an uncommon sight uh, all the way like almost like north of like Peoria. What? Yeah, yeah. the nine the nine banded armadillo. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. The, yeah, they're not they're not like super uncommon surprisingly. Like they're not, it's not like an everyday sort of thing, but like occasionally at certain points in the year we'll get armadillo. Yeah, it happens a lot, and it's happening more frequently. Exactly, and that's that's sort of what I was going for. Exactly, Brittany, it's happening more frequently. All right, so it's climate. Um, yeah, it, it, it potentially is climate related. It might also just be like we are doing a pretty good job as a state to provide adequate habitat. That might be part of it as well. Yeah, um, we have uh, nine banded nine nine banded armadillos in particular, actually from like the southern part of the United States, so like Texas, places like that, and Missouri has them pretty much all year round. Um, and they've just been kind of going further north. Yeah, and I, I think. You know, we, we see some examples with mammals, like with the armadillos, with the mountain lions. But birds are another really great indicator of, you know, stress on wildlife. You know, we did a lot of restoration on our beaches here in Chicago, and we ended up getting piping plovers for a few years, which was excellent. You know, we, we've done a lot of really great work providing adequate habitat out, you know, out in the suburbs where there's, uh, you know, out in more rural Illinois where there's this stump that is hold some kind of property that <laughs> really attracts a lot of these incredible birds of prey yeah so it's it's a fascinating story and i can't wait to chat with bob later about it i'm sure bob's got some really cool things to say i you know having talked to bob before i will say he's definitely gonna have some cool stuff to say cj he's just you a know cool guy well. he's, he's just a cool guy. cool guy luckily we have another friend who has some really cool stuff today so Brittany, take it away with the current events um but yeah i have a really cool current event it says here comes the sunbirds new species of indonesia's wakatobi islands and so um a group of researchers have identified um some new species of some birds and um the this specific species has a really large range so they can be found anywhere from africa to australia and the tropical wakatobi islands in um, indonesia and they found out that 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 the new species could be divided even more into a, a wider spread species of olive-backed and black sunbirds, um, which is finding this new species is 
really important because it allows them to reiterate their recommendation to protect the Wakatobi Islands um, as an um, endemic bird area because there's so much on that specific these specific islands that researchers and scientists haven't been able to find out like there's just so much there's so many new things that can be found so they're they're using it as a way to just protect these islands even more so much that there are certain regions that of these of these islands that scientists consider a quote unquote living laboratory um, to study evolution um, and to to study all of these endemic species that are literally just being found. Um, so it's really cool um, not only to find a whole new species of bird, but also to just get more backup and evidence and as to why those islands should be protected. But I thought you guys might find it interesting because, you know, birds, finding new bird species. And if you look them up, they're really cute. They've got like these bright yellow bodies and these beautiful blue necks. And they've kind of got like a nice long hook beak. They're very beautiful birds. Uh, it looks like the Wakatobi sunbird is categorically yeah. put by the researchers as the fourth subspecies under the olive backed. Yes. Mm -hmm. God. Uh, sunbirds. Sunbirds are, are I, oh, I've always loved them. that is a really pretty bird. Holy cow. They occupy the same niche where they're from as the Hawaiian honeycreepers do um, in Hawaii. And you can see just looking at their bill, they're very similar. Um, yeah, you really can see that. Um, but they also, if I'm not mistaken, that's a very similar niche that hummingbirds occupy in North America. So mm -hmm. that's a, North and South America. Yes, that is true. Yeah, they migrate. The um, the concept of hummingbird migration is ridiculous because they have the same migrations as these birds that are twenty to thirty times their size. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Now this is a beautiful bird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really pretty bird. Um, I'm thinking a lot about kind of you know our definition of species and sort of what what really does define. Uh, a, a new species is do you have any information on that Matt? because i always feel like i get a little bit confused so defining a new species is like a kind of a ridiculously arduous procedure um especially now that we have genetic testing and all that that happens so often and the biggest question i think in the case of the sunbird here i would stand to guess that most likely this sunbird being considered a subspecies probably comes from the fact that i'm sure that this this species right here or subspecies or whatever is really closely tied to a species already discovered on the mainland close to where this island is and so normally speaking uh geography plays a big part as well as life history it's hard because sorting specimens is hard but it is um especially kind of like how Brittany was talking about in the status of conservation, it's really truly important to document species. I know one of the first current events we had was the discovery of the greater glider way, way back when to where they kind of split it up into what was what subspecies. A, what a throwback that was. Oh, an amazing wow. throwback. And it was this marsupial <laughs> that went from species to subspecies. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Didn't it go from subspecies no, it went, to two separate species? Yeah, it went from, I, I kept confusing myself, but it went from subspecies to split species. And so that drives conservation decisions. Same thing with um, the discovery of the Tapanuli orangutan. Um, once that species was discovered, conservation, it was considered the most critically imperiled ape just right away. You know, kind of stands to reason that if we're just discovering stuff now, it's probably pretty rare. Um, for a lot of these larger animals, but that guides conservation decisions that guides money and resources allocated to different spots. And so kind of like Brittany was saying, the description of a new species only further validates protection and proper ethical conservation being set up there. And so I think it's really, really cool. You don't see discoveries being made this often. And so it's always fun to see. And, you know, gotta love seeing a beautiful bird what can i say that is a gorgeous bird yeah what a great current event well i guess should we move on to our main topic yeah i was just about to say let's hit into our main event so we are here now with our special guest and that is bob dolgan a chicagoland birder um, you may know some of his projects, but if you don't, we are excited to go into it today, get you a little bit of a glimpse into what Bob has worked on. So to start out, Bob, could you just kind of introduce who you are and some of those projects that I might be referring to, you know, anything uh, that you've worked along that people might know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I assume you're you're speaking of uh, the films I've made, um, and uh, those would be... Uh, documentaries uh, that I've made over the past uh, three years. And uh, two of them were about uh, our Chicago piping plovers, Monty and Rose, who nested in the city for uh, three summers and uh, much to our delight had uh, several chicks and you know, sort of reestablished Chicago as a potential breeding site for piping plovers on the Great Lakes, which is incredible because there's only 70 or so pairs remaining uh, around the Great Lakes. And uh, thankfully, I was able to document a lot of that experience and and get it on film and talk to a lot of people about it. And uh, from there, I've just made another film that came out uh, in September called The Magic Stump that is about a uh, tree stump in an East Central Illinois farm field that has attracted an amazing variety of raptors through the years, uh, hawks, eagles, owls, um, and more falcons and including two prairie falcons that um may be just about the only prairie falcons that spend winter in illinois and in addition to that i've just had a lot of experience uh working um with the media and I, way back when i was a journalist myself um and i come out of uh uh with a background in marketing communications uh professionally so you know that that's sort of where a lot of this has come from but i love telling stories and um being able to educate the world about birds and, um, you know, share what we have here right in our own backyard in Chicagoland, which is pretty awesome. So it's, it's incredibly awesome. It's incredibly awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more like how, I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit of your like career path. How did you kind of get into doing like conservation stuff like with wildlife? You know what I mean? Like what, what was the spark for you? Well, I've been, I've been a birder my, my whole life and I've been yeah. going way back, uh, you know, I, I um, did a book report in the third grade on John James Audubon um, and uh, that just sort of stuck with me. I mean, I always I kept on birding and birding uh, for the most part uh, throughout my life. Uh, I took some breaks uh, like around the time I was in college and, uh, you know, having uh, I have two daughters. So like when um, 
you know, the, the, when when they're infants or toddlers, it's not real easy to go birding, um, and they're they're not real amenable to it. They they still aren't. They're twelve and nine, <laughs> um, but um, you know, I think uh, it, it it really. Um, I've always loved nature and, and um, the environmental world, and I love, love hiking and camping and 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 of course birding and and photography and so um, it was just it's just been a natural. I, I kind of had a, a big career shift uh, starting uh, about four years ago, and uh, it ended up that I was spending a lot of time in my local forest reserves and and in the woods and the wilds of Chicagoland, and um, I was just it just. Somehow, Monty and Rose appeared around that time, and this has just become sort of a, um, you know, a conservation is what I'm doing uh, almost full time. I mean, really, just I'm spending a lot of time uh, creating these these films, writing my newsletter, and and getting the word out about about birds. So, um, I mean, was it the the spark? Um, I, I don't know. I get, it's almost hard to um, to sort of relate that because it just is like it just feels like it's always been there. But I think um, you know, birds. There's just always something new. There's just every day. You never know what it might be. Like you might be out in your forest preserve, or and something really unusual happens, or you see something you've never seen before. And I think that's what really uh, keep keeps me going. I mean, I keep a list and all those things, but I'm not a crazy chaser or anything. I, I won't like drive you know five hours to see a bird and turn around. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, but I love to see interesting birds. And, um, so yeah, just all those things have kept me in it. I think it's a great way to stay grounded and, and to be, um, connected with the natural world and, and to have some, it's good, probably good for well-being and, and mental health as well. So. I just want to jump in real quick. Uh, Brittany's going to ask another, ask a question, but I just want to say, I love the way that you said the wilds of Chicago, big fan of that. I mean, I'm just going to ask this question now. Oh, yeah. you know, we're, we're, like... we're, we're both big Chicago birders, Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite spot you like to go birding at that is part of those Chicago wilds? I just want to put it out there now because I think it's oh, it, yeah, it ties yeah, in directly. Yeah. Ties in yeah, directly. No, there's so many wilds. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, it would be very easy for me to say Montrose Point Bird Sanctuary. I've certainly probably spent the most amount of my birding time in Chicago there. But, of course. Um, you know, I've kind of fallen in love with these little Northwest Side forest preserves um, where I bumped into you once, CJ, uh, here. here I know. Like, that was so funny. Where I, where I live. <laughs> and because um, they're, they're not, some of them are not visited very often. And you get quite a bit of solitude. And I've seen uh, a lot of interesting birds. I've seen mink, muskrat, um, forest coyotes, and other mammalian species. Um tons of raccoons, skunks, you name it, deer. Oh my gosh, there's so many deer. Um, but but uh, but the you know birding can be really amazing in some of these areas, particularly in springtime, peak, peak migration. And I'm like the only person in like you know what's several hundred acres. And um, there, there's some really natural uh, you know beautiful forests that are like um, state natural areas inventory uh, quality forests. And and um, these go back to you know more than a century ago some of these places and they're just the remnants of what we used to have and and when you look at a map you realize that you know the old lake michigan shoreline kind of came out over this way and these little ridges that we have are the result of what had been the shoreline of lake michigan and you know millennia ago and and i think that um I, you actually get some hills in chicago which is incredible so i i found these areas 
I almost don't want to share too much about them because I don't want everybody they're gems. to know where they're gems. exactly where they yeah. are. Yeah, they're gems. I get um, you. <laughs> but but uh, but they're a ton of fun. Um, but if I had to name one, I'll name the biggest and most well known, and that's uh, Bunker Hill or Caldwell yeah. Woods. It goes by many a name. Um, but uh, that's a great forest preserve, and if you haven't been there, it's it's a ton of fun. Right on the border of Niles and Chicago. Yeah, I did my Christmas bird count there last year. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Exactly. Um, Amazing. So thank you for sharing that. Sorry. I'll let us get back on task. Brittany, take it away. <laughs> Reel it on back. No, that's awesome. So you're talking a little bit about um, just kind of like what you do and, and you're starting, you're kind of like switching career paths and things like that. And a big part of doing documentaries is media and social media. Um, how do you blend those two together? How do you foresee conservation and media interacting and being blended? Well, probably the biggest thing is that most people in the world don't really know a whole lot about conservation and, and, and or birding. And I think one of the ways to get that word out there is through the media, through social media. And so I think uh, you know, there there aren't a lot of beat writers who are focused on, say, birding. Let's say for for um, you know just a, an example, and and so like, uh, but there are a few people who write about the environment or or nature, and 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 so and, and report about it. Maybe not that many on TV, but maybe a few, maybe a few on radio. But I think um, you know, I think it's um, it's really important to get the word out there and help educate oftentimes it's educating reporters i, I mean in talking to uh, members of the media that it's not like they're all like totally immersed in birding 24 7 so you really have to explain even the ones that are more attuned to birding still need often a lengthy explanation of what is happening with a certain phenomenon or species so i think it's really important to uh, work with the media because that's the conduit to the public and and getting more people connected to conservation. Um, I mean, as far as social media, it's it's interesting. I mean, definitely uh, a generation ago, you wouldn't have had any any social media related to anything. Uh, and so birding back then was all like stuff on the phone, talking on the phone. You might have like an internet message board or something like that. But um, I mean, it, it, it's changed the game in certain ways. It's uh, a lot of what I see in birding social media are like photo sharing sites, uh, for better or worse, but they're not really, there isn't a whole lot of like real, like robust dialogue about things or, or people, you know, I, I, there are too many people will like, if someone says, Hey, where do I find, where can I see, a you know, black turn in the Chicago area, you'll just get someone say, well, why did you look it up on eBird? And it's like, well, I, I mean, I, I don't, most people don't know what eBird is, and um, and and it can be hard to find. Even if you f can find it on eBird, you might go to the place, and you're you're walking across thousands of acres, and you may not see the, the, the species. So I think uh, sometimes so social media and birding. I wish it was more productive. I guess is what I'm leading toward. <laughs> but people definitely, it, you get clips that go viral on Twitter. You, you get you know you get clips that get shared um that people really you know when the yellow cardinal is seen and like southern illinois or wherever it was like that that's pretty cool like and you get people people see that who aren't into birds really and they're like wow that's super cool and for that moment in their day they're like this is a neat thing and they're thinking about birds um so i think um it's definitely been an evolution over time and um i've met a lot of great 
people sort of over social media because of a shared interest in birds. And that is pretty cool. Or you, you can put a name to the face in the field if you bump into someone uh, and connect with them and have like a, an in-person relationship. So I think that's pretty neat. And um, so, it, but it's a, it's a vast world out there. I think I, I'm a pretty heavy Twitter user. Uh, Bird Twitter is pretty active. Uh, nationally, even internationally, you see a lot of the same names coming up and Instagram a bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely changed things. What I'm seeing a lot of now in the Chicago area are these group me chats that let people know where uh, sightings are happening in more real time. And um, that, that's been an interesting innovation just of the past year or two that um, is actually... I thought Twitter could be something more light or like do more of that. Like, hey, I've got a redneck grebe over at uh, Saganashki Slough. Uh, like, but when I've posted stuff like that on Twitter, it, it just sort of gets, I'm not sure why, it just sort of dies. But um, but yeah, it, uh, GroupMe, uh, but GroupMe has been an interesting innovation. I, I know in other places they use Telegram, like over in Indiana. Um, and um, so there are similar platforms like that to share out information quickly. and. Um, you know, get get a few people talking about birds. I am not a huge birder. Okay. So everything that you have just said, <laughs> I've just learned a whole lot about. Oh my gosh. Awesome. I've well, I'm glad. Birding twice and it has been with both of the other two people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah. well, you know what? But you don't have to jump in like all, all the stuff I'm saying, by the way, like one does not have to do. And like that's the cool thing about birding people can do it at whatever speed they want or level of intensity i've enjoyed it my husband is way more into it he's got e-birder lockdown well you know what it's like no. <laughs> Matt, matt's matt's big secret plan is getting all of his friends into birding don't don't let him yeah. pull you so far, so far it's going well <laughs> is the problem and so it's not so much of a secret because i've been incredibly successful <laughs> um my next step is bugs and that one's a much harder venture yeah finding, you can get me with birds you're not getting me with bugs i'm finding <laughs> that it's brutal reality really you should try talking so. about fungus <laughs> oh god yeah see fungus you can talk about like foraging oh, yeah, you can talk about you know what i mean there's there's ways to move with fungus i yeah. oh well, that, that's true I, yeah there are different right. angles there that I, I forgot yeah. yeah but 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 i'll say with post fungus pictures <laughs> like that they don't do numbers they're, they're just like no no they're like little like you know one one person likes it. it's very sad which is really <laughs> don't post really... fungus photos on our social media yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is too it's very sad because of the fungus pictures i've taken like i i mean not that i'm a great photographer or anything but like they're they're really like when you get up close yeah. to the far like they're so intricately oh, yeah. patterned i mean it's it's amazing anyway I, I wanted to get into fungus for a while and they are very daunting and that's speaking as someone who studies insects. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is like, you have like 20 polypore species that were right. almost exactly the same. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess I, people would look at sparrows or something in the yeah. burning world say the same thing, but um, you know what? I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only difference is you eat one and it kills you and the other. <laughs> yeah. The up on cloud nine. Yeah, the other other ones could, could be great. It could work out, work out really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're having fun. We're having fun. To yeah, finally... no, the, well, the fungus is yeah, the, my my twelve year old daughter is big into fungus, so we mm -hmm. go on these fungus 
walks and um which is great sneak, sneak some birding in there yeah because i'm just like oh yeah like i, I i'm also hearing like a blue-headed vireo right now this is cool Amazing. and um so but uh so we've gotten into it and we put stuff on iNaturalist and um mm -hmm. and, and and have a lot of fun and I, i'm learning it's fun to learn something a little you know different insects yeah. will not I, I don't know. I'm almost more ahead on my fungus skills, You're, perhaps. I think uh, to bring us back as the one who always has to bring us back from tangents yeah. is never, never CJ or Brittany. Brittany, you hear, it's you hear the sarcasm. It's dripping. The, the joke, Bob. The joke it's is dripping. that is, I'm the one to bring. I'm the one to bring us back from tangents. Is, but I'm, I'm letting Matt lead this one. CJ I have one. ADHD, so I'm never bringing anyone back. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know. You had kind of mentioned, you know, as we were talking about social media and all that within conservation, we I think we all at this point, especially being a podcast that, you know, podcasts kind of exist within the social media sphere now, frankly, I think they're um, yeah. almost a one to one, it seems like. But um, you did kind of mention some of the, you know, where we're lacking the pitfalls too, and how we can, you know, you know, some areas where we're lacking and using social media. Um, what are some ways you can you think of any ways that especially maybe as like a listener or for us as a podcast that we can better mobilize social media in a way um, that benefits conservation and birders and fungi errs and other errs. Uh -huh. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think the one of the biggest problems is like, we don't always do a great job of, um making some of these pursuits accessible and so like everybody wants to post when they have like their greatest moment and put you know the lifer the crystal clear photo of a scarlet tanager and and so forth but that doesn't really like you know I, th that's wonderful and I, I think that's awesome and i do it myself but i think that like you it's thinking about how to really bring people into the fold and i think um you know sharing stories and being open to sharing about how one does this, how you can find birds, you know, how to, how to use eBird, um, you know, and, and, uh, and sharing, you know, those tools with people. But I think, you know, the message of conservation, I would like to see it being more positive. And I know that sounds sort of Pollyanna-ish, but I think there's a lot of like, the sky is falling, you know, the, another climate change report has come out and another report on the decline of you know hundreds of bird species has come out but i think if we can talk like try to bring more people into the fold into real life con conservation and not just social media conservation that um that you know we could have an impact a lot of it is getting people focused on what it might be that what the issue of the day might be that we need to focus on and then getting in front of you know, whether it be elected officials or other decision makers, um, you know, just just the media and helping them, you know, learn uh, about what those stories are. Because you, you might be able to get a story out of like the incredible like Scarlet Tanager or that even that that's not so unusual around here. They're beautiful. But um, but maybe like, oh, well, we just had the Sandhill Cranes flying over and tens of thousands of them in Chicago. And there was a piece that Flock Club Chicago did on it. And like that, that's super cool um and and so like we need to kind of uh newsy newsify the some of these things that are happening so that people can see these good things and 
and can look up and be involved and look out their windows. And um, so I guess, yeah, I think there's some opportunities still. Yeah, I mean, you can always talk about, you know, losing habitat, which unfortunately happened a lot. Um, but I think we should talk about like how to gain habitat and um, and see like, you know, celebrate those successes when they do come or get people to motivate behind those, those efforts um, as much as possible. Um, Cause that's really what's gonna get us out of like, you know, all these negative um, things like increasing climate change and decline of species, et cetera. I was just gonna say, I think that's, I mean, kind of the reframing of conservation through media is super interesting. And I think that's one of the truly beautiful things about like what you do as a documentarian and sort of like what we all do, we're all in our real lives, not doing on a podcast, but we're all <laughs> like informal educators for conservation. That's who we all, like, that's, our, that's our background. And so I think the reframing of conservation is really important. And it's, it's conservation as an idea, I feel like is very scary. When you bring it to the regular person, it can be like, the world's on fire. It's, it's yeah. horrible. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. But yeah. the reframing yeah. is so interesting. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, like a lot of my showings, uh, you know, I show the film and I've shown it to various audiences. I like, I, and I'm just thinking of like the magic stump and Monty and Rose. And of course, like I show either of those films and I've shown particularly the Monty and Rose films to a lot of different audiences, including like non birders and, and it, it, you know, people like who see it, even though I, I've had a few grumps come up to me and be like, I, I still, I still don't like birds. Or I, okay, fine. You will just not like birds, and there's that's always going to be some grumps. Yeah, yeah. Some grumps. <laughs> but then you get other people who like I've, you know, who share just want to tell me everything about like how their, you know, their their mom hangs bird feeders at 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 you know her home in northwest indiana and these other people who are into birds and when i was growing up in new york we always had these sorts of birds around or whatever it is and like i think that you know the that the what's cool about documentary as a medium is that it kind of creates a platform for people to like to have those conversations and um and absorb something like in depth and whereas if you're just sort of walking on the beach and be like hey that's a piping clover you might get a few people look through the scope and they might say wow that is cool but that doesn't like even like when you have the whole story like and kind of tie into like you know themes that people can relate to emotions and all those things like i think that's when yeah. there's a real real impact and i think like you know uh, that's why like you know the the documentaries like planet earth and those sorts of things yeah. show you like the like you know the the individuals of the species whether they're the predators or the prey or um you know whatever species it might be and and that's why those things are so amazing because they're they're like anybody could see that you know and and feel moved for the most part so um so yeah i think um yeah i i'm biased because i i like documentaries of course. yeah <laughs> Um, but I think that they the documentaries are a great platform. Yeah, uh, but it could it doesn't have to be a documentary. It could be it could be an event. It could be a lecture. It could be yeah, a, an art gallery. It could be it could be any number of um, ways to kind of get that message out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, having seen, I think I've seen all of your films, but I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. But having seen them all, I can definitely see how you you know using theme to kind of tell that story. It's it's beautiful, Bob. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, of oh, course. I, yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I like that's uh, very kind of you. I mean, um, yeah, I, I definitely think you know just these stories. I've tried to uh, you know how successful I've been. That's kind of you to say. I mean, I've tried. I've tried to do is make them more like relatable, and because I think they're 
can be a lot of jargon and a lot of, um, you know, kind of people, hey, I, I love scientists. I'm, my brother-in-law is a scientist. I know scientists, but like, I, I think like that, you know, and, and, you know, but I think just having sort of talking heads on the camera, just talking about like, you know, telling people why they need to think the species is so cool, get, you know, and often in very complicated terms, does not like necessarily resonate or have as lasting an impact as talking about more emotional things and having people or everyday people who are, and, and we have had scientists in these films. I don't want of to, course. but um, they think putting them in human terms and in human terms, terms for people that everybody can understand and have it be very simple. Um, it, it, it hopefully can be reson resonant. So yeah, th yeah. that's, been the, been been the goal. That's why I like with the Amazing. magic. It's just like you know, three guys in a falcon. It's just like they're just like three guys and weave through the agricultural yeah. fields of uh, Illinois. And, and that's I mean, it's a beautiful uh, story. It's a beautiful yeah. story. Birding. Mm -hmm. All it was was three guys birding for a number of years together. And look what it. happened. They like found a stump that had all these species hanging out on it, and the only two prairie falcons in the state. Amazing. <laughs> The themes you play off of seem to be, first off, I want to say very interpretive, which um, it, it's something that uh, CJ and I and Brittany all have a very large background and basis. In. Um, and I, I wanted to mention quickly, first off, I get it with scientists. It is it is so. Uh, yeah, that's I'm, all I have to say on that one. I don't one. really blame the scientists. I sort of blame the producers of like these other films that I'm thinking of because they, yeah. because like, the scientists probably have really interesting personalities. If you like, mm. but the questions are just like, hey, like tell me about this, the every detail of this ecosystem, and then that's just you know, well, yeah, you now I, I, I find that interesting because I like to kind of you know read that sort of stuff like on the web or whatever about like you know a geological period that took place you know 400 million years ago or something. But but like um, but then you just put someone up and say, hey, do you know the Ordovician you know period was 400 million years ago? And at that you know and, and it's just that that's not a point like that doesn't move a story forward. Mm -hmm. That is just like a that's just that's I don't even know what 400 million years is like i can't even think back to four thousand years ago or four four years ago yeah. so um, <laughs> i was gonna say i can't imagine four years ago. I was like i'm barely working on four minutes frankly so <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so anyway that but i think it's just uh it's important to um set up people for to tell this tell their stories and the best you know let them be themselves and Give them room and space to share their story and um and yeah and just try to you know just follow their lead actually and where they want to take the story often mm -hmm. yeah i i love that point because i feel like that's what makes your documentaries so important and all, like just even our podcast so important it's bringing the, that stuff down to like a normal everyday person and allowing them to enjoy something and care about something that they have no idea they even cared about. Um, yeah, exactly. But at the yeah. end of it, you're like, I love piping plovers. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know what one was before I saw this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a podcast, you and you guys do a great job of that, and like, just the enthusiasm shines through. And and I, I think, yeah, it's like, you know, we could talk. 
I think sometimes just people like the passion rubs off on other people mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, wow, like I want to be part of that. Like, yeah. And so I think, you know, it's important to show fun, being fun too is something mm -hmm. that I attempted to put some humor. CJ has seen the magic stuff. There's a little bit of humor in there. There's, it's, there's some good jokes. <laughs> there's some good jokes. Yeah, because you can't like, you know, this stuff is really serious if you start, you know, like I said, fretting over every climate change report and so forth. Yeah. So, um, but it's good to show that people are enjoying themselves too. Do you have any favorite like conservation initiatives that you, that are just like on the top of your head that you really enjoy? Uh, more in the media like realm or just? Yeah. Or yeah. More like, yeah, either media realm or conservation initiatives or that conservation. you just really think that you really care about and want people to know about and care about. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll share one that I think is super cool and should be expanded, and that is Indiana Audubon Society's Adopt a Shrike program. Um, so you can, uh, you know, it's probably not that Matt. It's probably a couple hours away from you. Like, <laughs> um, it, it's like in southern Indiana. Um, and I've never yeah, heard so of I'm so stoked. They let you they they banned loggerhead shrikes and then um you can adopt one you know you pay a fee they send you a t-shirt and they give you the name and the number of the shrike and um and then they provide you updates like if they see it again and what like you know how it's doing and um and they have a whole working group there that's focused on this and um I just thought that I just think it's cool because again, it's individualizing like this. That's so cool. Songbird, <laughs> and, and um, which is an amazing bird. Like like yeah, you know, uh, easily documentaries should be made just about shrikes. Uh, as, and, yeah. yeah. So as I mean, someone, like, yeah. <laughs> as someone who just got his first loggerhead shrike this year on the border, basically of Ohio and Indiana, this oh, is going on my Christmas list now. That's all I'm going to say. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. So I just, I think that's super cool because there, you know, I suppose it's only, you could say, Oh, it's just one strike, but there are only like six or so nesting pairs, I think in Indiana, like it's a really small, um, population and it's a declining species. Uh, everywhere pretty much and especially in the upper midwest and um and so i think it um it's just a neat way to to be connected with a single species and you know i i like to say that you could tell stories and do individual projects around any number of species i mean it could be shrikes i mean there it's just endless which is kind of what's cool about about birding because you just yeah yeah, I saw a song sparrow, like, and I hadn't seen one for a few days. So I was like, "Wow, right. that's really cool!" Like, like, you know, I wonder what that sparrow is up to here. Did it nest here? Is it still like hanging around in this little brushy patch from the summer, or what? Or did, is it migrating? So anyway, you just uh, uh, but shrikes are super cool, so it's pretty yeah. easy that one. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like kind of the theme of today has been like media conservation and then like storytelling, right? Um, I, I don't know. I really much just appreciate our conversation today, Bob. Um, but before we wrap up, I always love asking this to our guests. So kind of a surprise for you. Do you have any questions for us? Um, well, um, what are your, um, sort of your, what are your latest outdoor, um, 
pursuits like like really like like you know if it's insects matt or or if it's you know Brittany and your husband he's using ebird you're or is there other are there other things or yeah dj uh, I don't know. Not, I, I don't know what you. I don't know what you're up to, but I'd like to. I'd like to hear what you, you, you've been up to. Is there anything? And and the quirkier, the better. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go first because it's fresh on the mind. When this episode comes out, it'll be this past weekend. But for us recording right now, it's this upcoming weekend. Um, I'm gonna be going over to Jasper Pulaski to see some sandhill cranes. Yeah, so I'm uh, on the leadership team for a group called Out in Nature, which is a group that you know works to include LGBTQIA plus individuals inside doing you know like making a safe space in nature for them, basically. Um, right. So we're doing a, an Out in Nature event to go see sandhill cranes awesome. at Jasper Pulaski Wildlife. Oh yeah, I saw that on Instagram too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I made that, that post. Cool. <laughs> I made that post. <laughs> I was like applauding that. Yeah, no, that that is awesome. Yeah, I I think, well, that's great. That's not even like like that's that's yeah. just that's awesome. That, that's just a spectacle. Oh my gosh, have you been there before? I was so I I went to Jasper Pulaski last year, and I went a week after all the sandhill cranes left, so there were no cranes. Oh my um, god! But I did get my lifer shorted owl that day. It flew oh. right over, like right in front of my car as we were leaving. Oh so my gosh. it was worth awesome. the trip. It was worth yeah. the trip. Oh wow! Well, you're gonna have yeah. There's just still be a lot I, of cranes. There's supposed to be like thirty thousand or something. I'm yeah. beyond excited. I'm beyond yeah. excited. I've been seeing oh them flying over. It's been yeah. so fun. It's been so fun. So cool. Wow! Awesome. Good luck. You you said quirkier the better. So I'm yeah. gonna try and. Uh, <laughs> I think as far as people who classic have Matt Balaga the weirdest jobs, I might I might be up there. Um. And this semester, I was really lucky. Uh, as of recording, tomorrow will be the lab site ID exam for my students who all went through a first ever 400 level entomology course in, I think, six or seven years here at Miami. Um, so rebuilt the curriculum, the whole nine yards, me and my professor uh, who have worked close together for six years now. Um, mm. But on top of that, we also had this really cool initiative that I don't think I've advertised before, but I'm really excited to finally kind of bring to the forefront now, aside from those kids being troopers and dealing with us the whole, you know, the whole way. Um, building a course is not easy, wow. I have learned. But my professor and I have been working on this thing that we wanted to do for a while that spawns from uh, the research that I do looking at how insect communities are changing rapidly here in a way that probably is affecting birds at this point. Um, my area of study is the neotropical migrants and looking at how most likely we're looking at a 20 year data set that shows that um, decreases in birds probably mirror moths in particular, these warblers that you know are gleaners and they're eating caterpillars and stuff like that. I think that's a big reason why we're yeah. funneling so many of those birds that have been decreasing for at the very least the last 50 years. But when you go a layer out of that, the story that's being told is it just about moths and birds because like we're losing moths but so what why are we lo losing moths and the supposition is probably the plant community here and so the project that we're trying to do is work with the community to create an infrastructure that allows for every single yard within the oxford community a 10 by 10 native plant garden so each person for you know for suburbs for farms and everything like that giving them access to native plants, giving them support on how to plant them, 
you know, the seed varieties and all that. We're working with a local garden center as well as working on the advertising for it to create different seed mixes. So if you want a a pretty wildflower bend or if you want um, a bird blend or if you want like a, you know, a bunch of different deliverables so that people can go into the garden shop and create a 10 by 10 garden so that when you stack them all up in one neighborhood, if you have 10 houses, you have 100 square feet of native pollinator native plant matrix that's meaningful it yeah it is and it feels it's trying to me i'm trying to rewrite a story that was started in the 1950s to where every single suburb has to be just grass and so it's it's a really it's fun it's fun and plants are cool i'm obsessed with plants too now which sucks Plant ID. Uh, I don't. I don't want to imagine it. Anyway, Brittany, I'm so sorry. I know it's okay. I was gonna say I don't think mine are as uh, mine is as out there, or whatever, as Matt's. Um, but with my new job, I actually just got to start working um, with the Blandings Turtle Project again. Oh my gosh! Um, wow, is, that's awesome. Yeah, I've gotten to work a little bit um, with the project um, at previous jobs. Um, Do you want to explain the project a little bit, Brittany? Yeah, so Blanding's turtles are super endangered. And so lots of different zoos and aquariums um, work on being able to be spaces for them to um, reproduce and have babies and then are able to be re-released. And so right now we are currently only working with one who is a rescue. um, And we're working on being able to uh, build tanks and things to be able to get in spaces for them to be able to successfully reproduce so that we can have babies and then re-release them back out and try to regrow their populations. Um, but I um, am getting to start to work with that, which is really exciting. Um, like I said, I've worked with them a little bit and it's really cool. It's like a, a nice little heartstring moment when you get to re-release them and see them go off and and be like, survive, <laughs> reproduce, yeah. please. Um, so great. I'm really excited to start with that. That's a classic species of, you know, this area. And one just, of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, I've never encountered one in the wild. Um, and I would love to, but, uh, that is so cool. Wow. Good luck. I know nothing about turtles. (laughs) Yeah, this has been a big learning curve. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see how we expand it at the, at the, the place that I'm doing it at now. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thanks to all of you for answering. You're so so very welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for being on the Birdie Bunch podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. It's so lovely getting to finally put a face (laughs) in the name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'll look forward to, you know, sharing this out when, when it's amazing, when it's live. Looking forward to it. Now we're going to cut back to the episode. Thanks again, Bob, for joining us for our episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, being an amazing guest. Um, Bob's got a new thing that he's working on right now about floodles. Floodles are little agricultural ponds that especially shorebirds during migration tend to absolutely love to stop in. Um, They're great stopover sites. If you're interested in some of his other projects, like we mentioned, there's the Magic Stump, the documentary, as well as Monty and Rose and Monty and Rose 2, the two documentaries about the piping plovers 
that graced all of our lenses in the Chicagoland area the past couple of years. So thank you, Bob, for joining us for the last episode of 2022. We really couldn't think of a better way to ring out this year than with you. Anyways, heading out of another fun-filled episode um, means that we get to share with y'all a little bit of thing we do called social media. So, CJ and Brittany, uh, where can people find you on the, the what is it, the social meds? It is the so it is the social meds. It is. You can find me on Instagram at cj.greco. That's cj.greco. And I'm uh, I'm just having a good old time. I'm just having a good old time. It'll make some kind of thankful what 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 was cj thankful for this year i don't know yet we'll find out you'll already know because you're in the future and i'm in the past so you'll know but i don't know yet so let me know so i can post about it thanks Brittany. are they in the future or are they in the present because if they're listening to it then they're in the present not in the future but we're still in the past well to us they're in the future but to them they're in the present and we're in the you know what i'm saying I feel you. Yeah, like to, you. to us, we're in the present, but to them, they're in the present. I feel you. Yeah. So are we just all in the present? I mean, that's it's right now is a gift. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, as we ponder that, you can find me on the social meds at the Brittany Bunch. T H E B is in bird. R I T T A N Y underscore b is in bird u-n-c-h i'm really thankful for my two friends and co-hosts uh, i hope that while we're all here we can find a time to connect but if not it'll be very upset and sad yeah so check it's really on matt so matt where can you be found on the social medias and also where can we find you during your uh thanksgiving break because I'm- we want to see you I'm not going to dox myself. I've done that before, but you can find me on the social meds at Matt Valgo. I'm not going to lie. It's, if you want to find Matt, it's not hard. No, it's really not. <laughs> Matt makes it way too easy. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Matt Valga. That's M-A-T-T-V as in Victor A-L-I-G-A. And I usually, I, I might have some some bug pictures, but hopefully I do get to see my good friends and co-hosts and throw up some little social meds about that. In addition, if you'd like to follow our little get-togethers but don't like us as individuals, first of all, that's rude. I mean, I'm assuming if you're following our individual pages, you're probably already following at the Birdie Bunch Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's a good point. Because if you're not doing that, you should go Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. If you're not, what you should do is go follow the Birdie Bunch Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also go to our website, www.thebirdiebunchpodcast.com, where you'll find a ton of resources, including the links to both our Patreon, which has a bunch of tiers on it. Thank you, by the way, to Gabe Anderley for being our patron, as well as you can find our merch store, where, like I said, in memoriam of Thanksgiving, you can find a nice little merch code for 15% off of Thank You 22. Did you just say in memoriam? Well, yeah, because I started out saying in anticipation, and now I have to uh, reconcile with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you have to um, grieve Thanksgiving. I understand. Exactly. Bazinga. <laughs> is that is that what the kids say nowadays? Bazinga? No, the, kids, the kids don't say bazinga. <laughs> the kids should say bazinga. You're the youth. You should know what the kids say. I am about as youthful You're as Betty me. White. 
I am definitely more useful than Matt. This is yeah, absolutely. One I don't know. That's not even contestable of a statement. Welcome to the club, Matt. I'm uh, well, well. Welcome. I've been here. <laughs> Matt absolutely looks like he's forty nine years old. Yeah, I, I aged up from the last time. You said forty eight first. Yeah, and it's been a whole podcast. So who knows where mm-hmm. you'll be next week? That's, and you know what? Birthday. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, anyways, yeah, you can find that merch code as well. Thank you, twenty two. 15% off. This is the last episode of the year. We're super thankful you've been with us this year. So go ahead and use that discount code as well as take heed. This is, in fact, the last episode of the year. I, hope they took do, heed. I don't think they took heed, my guy. Oh, I said take heed. <laughs> what else would you take? If not um, heed, pretzels. Um, I don't know. Pretzels. I just made up a word. I, love I mean, didn't pick up a word that was a real word. <laughs> no, I picked a word at random. I okay. I made up the word pretzels. So. Like, I think the Germans made up that word, actually. <laughs> um, And then we'll just redo the outro. I'll be like, thanks, Bob. Fluddles. And then last episode of the season. If you'd like to support the podcast but can't do so financially, totally understand that. Really appreciate your support. Regardless, we can also do to support the podcast is leave a review, right? We don't have any new reviews to read out to y'all, unfortunately, but I will say if you leave a five-star review, we will read it. And if you leave a review at all, we will read it, just not necessarily on the podcast. It's got to be five stars for that to be externalized. But one thing I will say is that we love and appreciate every single you know question, comment, concern, gripe that you guys can put out for it. That just helps us make a better podcast. You can also do the Lord's work and share this podcast with a friend. We would really, really appreciate it. We love being able to talk about conservation initiatives. Uh, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I just uh-huh. had a quick thing to ask. Do you have any? Do you, are you, do you have any podcast recommendations for me? I'm looking for a new podcast. Dude, that's funny because I actually do have a podcast recommendation for you. You ever heard of the Birdie yeah, yeah. Podcast? I've never heard of the Birdie Bunch Podcast. Can you tell me like tell me like three tenants that they stand for? Frankly, I'm shocked and appalled that you haven't, for reasons probably unstated, with what podcast you're appearing on, but I believe the Birdie Bunch podcast believes in conservation, education, and uh, I think it's trepidation. I mean, those first two sound really on par for what I want. I'm looking for something more fascination. Oh, well, this might not be the right podcast for you. No, at the Birdie Bunch podcast, like CJ is alluding to, we support conservation, education, and fascination. And anyone who is into any of those three, it doesn't have to be all three, right? We all, we all dabble. We all dabble a little bit. Anyone who's into any of those three, come join us. We would love to spend our days with you. So with that said, thank you for spending your time sharing it with the Birdie Bunch podcast. Until the next time, though, we'll catch you next time. Until the next time, we'll catch you next time. And we'll catch you next year. Also, happy holidays, everyone. Catch you next year. Happy not catch next year. New Year. Not, not not catch you next time, but catch you next year. Because when you hear the birdie bunch again, unless you just hit the, you know go to the next episode or something. Yeah. Um. Unless you're listening to this in, in the far future, because then there might be like ten thousand episodes of the Birdie Bunch podcast. Who knows? Well, that's the end of the episode, folks. Catch you next time. Well, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing. <laughs> Smashing!
Thanks so much, all you nature lovers, for listening to yet another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would especially like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our art for our episodes, as well as Connor Whitman for producing our music. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination. That's funny. That did not go well. Wah, 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 wah. Exactly. <laughs>